So we are in week three of a 12-week series through the summer as we talk about the disciplines or habits for holiness, right? These are things that God calls us through his word to practice, to be doing, things that he wants us to be doing in order to grow, to become looking more like Jesus. These are the things that God has called us as followers of Jesus to be practicing in our lives, to, to be repeatedly doing in our lives. Last week, Ryan talked about worship and what it looks like to be fully surrendered, right? To, to be one who is all in with Jesus, who's worshiping with all that we have in every aspect of our lives, whether it be when we're in this room singing together or whether it be when we're at home or with our family, whatever the case might be, that we would be worshipers. And this morning, we're turning our attention to the habit or the discipline, the practice of Bible study. Now, here's the deal about this. Uh, what I don't want you to walk out of here doing this morning is going, all right, I need to read my Bible more, right? I, I do hope that all of us walk out of here thinking we need to read our Bibles more, but I don't want that to be the extent of what you hear today, right? What I hope is that there is something cultivating in you about why and how you ought to be doing that in your life, that you would lean into this practice even further, whether you're not doing it at all, that you would begin to, if you are doing that, that you would step further into the study of God's word. Here's the deal. When we talk about studying the Bible or reading our Bibles, there's really two issues that we often have uh, with this whole discipline, with this whole practice, this habit. One is that we just don't do it at all, right? We dismiss it. Right? We, we put it aside, we say, hey, listen, I know there's this Bible thing, but it's really not all that important. So we just dismiss it all together. Now, when we do that, there's a lot of reasons why we might do that. Right? For some, it's super overwhelming. Right? This, is, this is a big book. My Bible has 1,024 pages in it, or 42 pages in it. I read it backwards. My Bible has 1,042 pages in it with two columns and really small font. Right? There's a lot of stuff in there. It can be a little overwhelming. It can be intimidating because you hear people that talk about the Bible and think, man, I could never get that from there. Or maybe for you, it's just so overwhelming, you don't know where to start. It could be that, man, you look at that thing and go, I, I don't know, I don't know where to start, I'm just gonna put it aside. It could be that, that you think it's sort of outdated, it's antiquated, it has no relevance for your life today, right? And, and you're thinking, man, I, I want something that's going to help me deal with the real issues in my life, right? Money and, and sex and relationships and work and abuse and power. But if you read the Bible at all, you would know that it speaks about all those things, right? But sometimes we think that it's not relevant for us at all. Now, sometimes, quite honestly, right, if we peel back all the layers and we're just purely honest, we just don't want to. We're just not motivated to. I don't think it's important. Now, here's the deal. My goal isn't for us, any of us, to feel guilty about that. My goal is that, like I said earlier, all of us would take a step further into the practice of Bible study today. But here's the thing. If that's sort of what's going through your mind, like I, I don't do it and I don't really care to. I think that that's a little bit telling because here's what I believe. I believe that the things that matter most to us in life, we make time for. We work the hardest for the things that matter most to us in life, right? If, if, if your, your, kids, your kids' sports schedule matters to you, you change things around, you spend a lot of money, you leave work early and go to work early so you can get off work early, right? You do everything imaginable so that you can get there on time or that you can get them to the next place. If your job is the most important thing in the world to you, you'll go in early, you'll stay late, you'll work late nights at home if you have to, whatever it takes to get the job. You make time for what matters most to you in life. We all do that, right? And because sometimes we don't have a sense of urgency about the Bible, 
We don't really have that high of a regard for it. It doesn't matter all that much to us. And so we just kind of put it aside and say, ah, I can live without it. But we can't live without our coffee or our job or our kids' success. So we set it aside for different reasons because we don't feel the urgency. We put into things, right, to the degree that we value them. You know, think about it like this, right? If you've been on an airplane anytime recently, uh, some of you travel a lot for work, I know, and so you've probably been on one very recently, more recently than you want to admit, and you have to get on another one this week and you're not looking forward to it. Whatever the case is, right? If you've been on an airplane, what do flight attendants do at the beginning of the flight, right? They're doing their checklist, their pre-stuff, and they get it all done. They're scrambling around the, the, the airplane, making their way around, doing all their stuff. And then when the, the, the airplane leaves the, the, um, the jetway there and starts to pull back and taxi out to the runway, they begin their safety protocol thing, right? Where they walk through everything that you're supposed to do, right? Buckle your, your belt low and tight around the waist. You know, the mask is going to drop down. You put it on, do yours first before anybody else. They go through all all of these instructions, and it never fails. If you look around the plane, the only people paying attention are those that are on the plane for the first time. They're the only ones that give a rip about what that flight attendant is talking about. Almost always, right? Because they're kind of thinking, I guess this is important. They're talking about it, right? But the rest of us, we're sitting on our plane, we're flipping through our phone, we're, we're already reading a book or flipping through a magazine. We're, we're scrambling around, making sure we got all of our stuff before takeoff. Maybe we're thinking about the water bottle we left in the terminal, whatever the case might be. We're not paying a lick of attention to the flight attendants. And here's what they're doing. They're going through instructions to help us not die if there's an emergency, right? It's kind of a big deal if you think about it for very long, right? It's a big deal. And we're scrambling around worried about whether or not we, we have our water bottle or, you know, trying to get one last text in before we take off. That's how we, because we don't have a sense of urgency, but here's what would change. If you had the ability to foresee the future and you knew that there was going to be a major emergency while that plane was in air, I guarantee you would change how much you pay attention. You probably wouldn't be on the plane if you had any kind of sense, but let's just say you got in the air and then there was an emergency. And they come over the loudspeaker and they're talking about, these are the instructions. This is what you need to do. This is where your flotation device is. This is how you get your oxygen mask on, right? You would start paying attention because you would have this sense of urgency about the importance of what is being said. The same is true of the Bible. If we deem it unimportant, we put it away and step aside and say, ah, I can live without it. But for some of us, we've written it off and we've said it's, it's useless. Functionally, even if we haven't said that out loud. So one of the dangers is, is that we don't use it at all. The other danger that sometimes we run into is that we misuse it. We read it, but we misinterpret it and we misapply it and we misengage with it and, and we, we turn some of the things that we find in it, right? This is just as dangerous because it leads to all kinds of issues in our lives as well. And we're gonna talk about what some of those issues are in just a minute, but when those issues kind of step in, it causes great problems for us. And maybe some of you, this is one of the ways that sometimes we misuse the Bible, I think, right? And maybe some of you have done this in the room, uh, but I've heard stories about, you know, someone who opened their Bible one day and they said, all right, I need something from the Lord. So I'm just going to open it. I'm going to close my eyes, put my finger on a page. I'm going to open my eyes. and I'm going to read a verse, right? I heard a story about a dude who did this, right? And he opened up his Bible. He put his finger on the verse and the verse said, would that those that have hurt you castrate themselves, Imagine his eyes got pretty big real quick. Depending on how sick of a person he was, he got excited or probably a little disturbed, right? So ah, that can't be right, right? So I'm gonna try it again. I'm gonna flip to an open page, all right? I'm gonna close my eyes, put my hand on the finger on a verse. I'm gonna open my eyes, I'm gonna read the verse. And it said, would that you do the same? Whoa, it's getting real personal real quick, Lord, right? 
So, okay, maybe, okay, third time's the charm. I'm gonna get this right this time. All right, so he flips, closes his eyes, put his finger down, opens his eyes, reads the verse. What you were going to do, do quickly. Can you imagine the pain of this guy as he's feeling the weight of this? All right, it's a silly example, but the bottom line is oftentimes that's how we treat the Bible. It's like some magical list of Proverbs only. But it's so much more than that. And God has intended that we dive deeply into it and study it and come to understand it and learn more about who God is and who we are and how that relationship is to work and how God is working in the world. Now, here's the thing, right? Statistics support the idea that we, most Americans, most adult Americans are either not reading the Bible at all or are misusing it. Barna did some research over the last several years, and this is some pretty recent research, and it says this, is that 14, approximately 14% of American adults engage the Bible as, it, this is subjective, they've answered this question themselves, they report, self-report that they read the Bible every day on some level, they engage with the Bible, interact with the Bible on some level every day. Now that may be you version, verse of the day, got it done, right? That may mean they sit down for two hours and study the Bible. It could mean any number of things, but 14% of American adults. Another 13% of American adults, the same study from Barna says that they engage with the Bible two to three times a week which means about a quarter of American adults, according to this research, are engaging with the Bible in any given week, about a quarter. What's crazy though, which I don't buy that number personally, but it is what it is, All right, I think it's lower. Um, they're experts, I'm not. Um, so they have that, but the crazy thing is the same study suggests that two thirds of American adults think the Bible is important. 66% <laughs> say it's important, 25% are actually reading it. There's a disconnect between what they say and what they do. Over 50% say that the Bible is helpful for life. Over 50% say it's helpful, only 25% are actually reading it. There's a disconnect here. So statistics show us that Bible engagement is very low. Bible reading, Bible intake, Bible study is really low. Now, there's other reports and studies that point to the reality that sometimes a lot of Americans are misreading and misunderstanding the Bible as well. Right? It, it, there's, there's studies that shown over the last four or five decades that one of the most famous Bible verses and well-known and most highly quoted Bible verses in all of the United States is the verse, God helps those who help themselves, which is actually not in the Bible. Right? If that's your favorite verse, I'm sorry, I just busted your, bur your bubble. Um, that didn't come out right at all. Um, actually, I'm not sorry, I just busted it. You should know what's really in the Bible. Um, but here's the thing, this is because we've misinterpreted and misread and misunderstood the Bible. Christianity Today did a study in 2018. There, one of the part of that study was what's the most well-known Bible verse in uh, the United States for that year? And it was Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody know what that is? I'm not gonna make you say it. This is your chance to boast on yourself just a second. Okay, a few of you, awesome. The hands didn't go up until I said it was your chance to boast on yourself, I noticed that. Um, the uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future, right? I would say that that is one of the most misinterpreted and misunderstood Bible verses in all of the scriptures. Because it's really widely known because a lot of people use that to say that if you know God, if you have a relationship with God and follow him, he's gonna give you the things you want. You're gonna be free of sickness and harm and hurt and pain. You're gonna have all the money you want. You're gonna get all the things you want. You're gonna never, never suffer through life. 
which is a total misinterpretation of that verse. The point is this, is that not just is it a reality in our lives that sometimes we disengage with the Bible altogether or we misunderstand it at all, not just kind of observation, but social science, numbers actually point to the fact that both of these things are a prime reality in our culture. And I just wanna ask a question before we go any further and jump into talking about what scripture says about itself this morning. Is either of those realities your reality? Where you've said, nope, for whatever the reason might be, if it's intimidation or you just don't care. Or is it, man, you're, 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 you're kind of randomly just picking something and turning it to make it apply to you. Or say what you want it to say. Here's my encouragement for you this morning. I want you to hear from God's word about one, why it's important, why we need to study the Bible, but also hopefully you're gonna walk out of here with some new tools in your toolbox of how to do that in particular. So this morning we're gonna look at 2 Timothy chapter two, right? 2 Timothy chapter two, verses 14 through 18. And as we look at this, what I wanna point out is, is specifically three reasons why we ought to study our Bibles, and then two specific instructions on how we ought to be studying our Bible. So 2 Timothy chapter two, verses 14 through 18. It says this, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. You know, in the context of what Paul is writing to Timothy here, he's writing to a young pastor who's living and working in the context of a lot of people that are false teachers, people that are teaching wrongly. He names two of them in this particular passage, guys that are, have swerved from the truth and are now teaching things that are incorrect, that are not true, that are false or partial truths, and therefore turning the truth to mean some, try to mean something different. And here's what he says, the result of that is spiritual ruin. He says that things, the wheels fall off when we do this not just for those that hear, but for those that are reading or disengaging or misunderstanding the Bible, the wheels fall off and it leads to spiritual ruin. I want you to think about, this is specifically what he says, the consequences of misusing the Bible are. He says that it does no good. It ruins the hearers. It leads to more ungodliness. It spreads like gangrene. It swerves from the truth and upsets the faith of some. See, an improper use of the Bible is not like a harmless activity that's just kind of we laugh off at some point. The improper use of the Bible, which ought to lead us to more godliness, actually leads to less. It causes death. I want you to think about the implications of misusing the Bible or disregarding it altogether and making up your own truth for the world. The, the consequences, the outcome of that, just not and beyond what he says here, right? There's false teaching. There's false religions, there's false hopes, there's divisive cultures. There is discouraged and confused and deceived people. There's eternity in a real place called hell. Again, my goal would not be that we 
feel a little guilty as we leave here today because we're not reading our Bibles enough or we're misinterpreting the Bible. My hope is that you feel the weight of how important being a student of God's word is. It's of great importance when you think about we are the mouthpiece through which God is speaking to his world today. And what goes in is gonna be what comes out. And if this isn't going in, it ain't coming out. It's not natural. And so what I wanna do from this is I wanna take a minute and I wanna talk about three specific reasons why we ought to be people that are studying our Bibles, why we should read the Bible regularly and why we should be studying it. The first is this, is we ought to study and read our Bible for the sake of transformation, for the sake of change. Now, Paul's talking here in the context he's talking, I mentioned that there was a lot of false teachers, people that were teaching the wrong things. One of the types of false teachers in this particular time were Gnostics. And now what Gnosticism was, is it was the practice of people actually to read the Bible a lot, but the purpose of their reading the Bible was to find some special knowledge Right? And so they would read and read and read and read the Old Testament as we know it. And as they did so, they were hoping to find some special secret knowledge within it that would then set them apart as greater than the rest of the world. Right? Clearly, if you know the gospel, that's the antithesis of it. Because what this is actually supposed to do is not set us apart and higher, but set us apart and lower where we understand our reality and serve people. But the Gnostics were seeking to gain more secret information so that they could be arrogant and prideful and step away from people and look down on people. So it was a really messed up practice, but this is the context in which he is talking. And so as he says this, he's saying, the issue is that what they're teaching, but the proof that what they're teaching is wrong is it's not changing them at all, other than to make them more arrogant. The only change that God's word is leading to in these people's lives is arrogance, greater arrogance. That is not a fruit of reading and studying God's word. It has the total opposite effect. And so when we read and study the Bible, it ought to lead to change in us. It ought to lead us to more obedience. And the Bible talks about this in lots of places. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 describes the Bible, the word of God, as living and active, something that is alive, that's working today. It's not a passive dead document. It's a living and active book for us. And it says that it's sharp enough that it can actually penetrate between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, things that we see and don't see, but that are small and minuscule in division. But the Bible is sharp enough and accurate enough to penetrate and divide between those things. Paul, also, Paul, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and he says that the word of God or God's word is breathed out by him. It's actually spoken by him to us, and that's how it ends up here. It's breathed out by God. It's from him. It's inspired by him, and it's useful to teach us, which is to move us towards change, to rebuke us, which is to actually call us to change to correct us, which is to, again, direct us in the right direction, so move us towards change, and to train us, which is to stay in that change direction. Paul says that the Bible is intended to change us. And as we read it, it says that as it has that effect in us, then what it does is it puts us together, it equips us the right way so that we can do the things that God wants us to do. The Bible ought to lead to transformation. One of the reasons we need it in our lives is because it changes us. 
Bible study is not just about gaining more information. It's about life transformation. We read and study the Bible for life transformation, not just more information. The second reason that we, we see here from Paul in 2 Timothy 2 that we ought to be studying our Bible is because it grows our dependence on God. He was calling Timothy out to tell the people, hey, listen, don't turn your attention to these guys and depend on them for your source of truth because they're distorting it. They're, they're swerving from the truth. They're, they're, they're reworking it for their own personal gain. And this is what false teachers do, right? They, they, they give you something, it's a little piece of truth, and they turn it just enough so that it sounds pretty good, but they do it so that you will depend on them. If you ever hear a Bible teacher whose goal seems to be that you would depend on them, I would measure heavily what they're saying. Heavily. But when you hear God's word proclaimed in such a way that calls you to depend on God, drink it in. Drink it in. Because as we read the Bible, as we study the Bible, it should increase our dependence on him, not ourselves or not some other person. It should increase our dependence on him. So as we study the Bible, we should because it leads to transformation. It grows our dependence on him. The third thing is this, is that we ought to study the Bible because it is truth and truth sets us free. There's not a single person in this room that wouldn't, if we peeled back all the layers, be able to say, listen, I'm really dependent and reliant and look to for all of my hope and joy, this thing or this person or this feeling or this place, this status. All of us have those things that we sometimes feel bound by. And at the core of who we are, we want freedom from those things. Well, the Bible teaches us that there is truth found here and that in truth there is freedom, right? The reason that these, these two guys that were called out in this passage were, were said to be issues is because what they were doing was leading to more ungodliness and they were swerving from the truth, which means they weren't teaching truth, which means one of the reasons we ought to study the Bible is so that we can know truth, it is the place where truth is found and truth there is also found freedom. And it's a freedom that my soul and your soul need, that our hearts need, that our minds need, that our relationships need. And the truth ultimately is found in the Bible. So I think at this point, probably the most pressing question in the room, besides what's for lunch, is, oh, how do I do this though, right? Well, we can talk all day long about why you should study your Bible. We can read passage after passage after passage after passage from Psalm 119, right? That we should hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. Throughout the other Psalms, that his word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and be reminded of all of these things of why the Bible matters, why we should study it, how important it is that the Bible affirms itself over and over and over and over again. But many in this room are going, I don't know where to start. How do I do this? How do I actually study the Bible? Well, the beautiful thing about the way God works is he helps answer that question for us as well. 
Right, right here in verse 15, which is really a focal point of this, this particular text, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. He says, do your best and rightly or accurately handle the word of truth. How do we do this? We do our best. This isn't a just you know, go harder kind of thing. We'll talk about it in just a second and rightly handle the word. When he says do your best, the idea of what he's saying is be diligent in what you do. Be diligent in what you do. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means to go after it, to go hard after it, to be all in with it, to work hard, to, to be repeated about that action, right? To be resilient as you push forward and work and, and read and study the word. The reality is, is that most of us aren't very intentional about that. Most of us are probably far more lazy than diligent with it, right? We say, man, I'm not gonna be able to make it today. And we continue on our way. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pass on this one, right? We're, we're far more lazy often than not. And so we don't regularly read and study God's word. That's not diligence. He's saying be diligent to do your best, to be diligent, to lean in, to go after it, to be intentional, to give great effort, to be repeated. Now think about your time with the Lord right now. Your Bible study and your Bible reading, is it intentional? Do you put great effort into it? Is it repeated? Is it a habit that you do continuously or over and over and over? I want you to think about that for just a second. Do you, are you intentional about when you read your Bible, where you read your Bible, what you're reading? Are you intentional about who's asking you to make sure that you're doing that? That's the type of diligence I believe that the Bible teaches us about how we ought to pursue understanding and knowing and learning God's word, that we ought to be diligent in it, that we ought to put time and effort into it. Somebody sent me a study this week uh, about, no, this doesn't have anything to do with the Bible, but it's gonna get there, I promise, or about, about, uh, about, about basically disciplines and how to be more disciplined in your life and develop good habits and all that kind of stuff. And the study was this, is that they, they looked at three groups and they, they set up three groups. The goal was that the, these people would start working out regularly, okay? So it was all about exercise. And the first group, what they did is they said, all right, here's the end goal, go do it. The second group, they said, all right, Here's the end goal, we want you to go do it. And along the way, we're gonna send you some like motivational quotes, some pictures of people that are really fit to motivate you more, all that kind of stuff, go do it. And then the third group, they said, all right, sit down. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to make a plan and write it down. When are you gonna work out? Who are you gonna work out with? What's your workout gonna look like? Where's it gonna be? What time of day is it gonna be? and make a specific plan and write it down. The end of this study resulted in that third group that was like 91% success rate. The other two groups were like 10 to 20%. I don't wanna overcomplicate things here. Make a plan. <laughs> when we start talking about how to study the Bible, how to read our Bible regularly, make a plan. I'm gonna tell you that if it wasn't for a plan, I would probably not read my Bible very often but I've settled in some routines and plans in my own life, right? So for me, if it doesn't happen early, it doesn't happen, right? Because by the end of the day, I'm worn out, I'm exhausted. Contrary to popular belief, did you know that pastors actually don't have six to eight hour quiet times every day, 
right? That's not what we do. We don't sit in our office and read our Bible and pray all day long, okay? Some of you are really astonished by that, I think. Right? If I don't start early, it doesn't happen, right? Because by the time my kids get up, right, I've got four kids between the ages of one and 11, all right? This coming week, we have six baseball games. This is just my kids, all right? I got, we're at VBS all day, every day, six baseball games. Actually, I said this in the last service and then my wife came up and reminded me that also my oldest son's birthday is this week and my anniversary is next week. I should probably be thinking about those things too. Forgot to say those, whoops, forgive me. All right, I got a lot going on in my life. And if I don't start early, it ain't happening because by the end of the day, you know what I wanna do? Go to bed, all right? I'm an old guy in my mid thirties, basically. All right, I can't wait to get to sleep at night. It's one of my favorite parts of every day. But I've gotta be intentional. I've gotta have a plan in order to do this. And so here's my plan. I get up early, all right? And in my living room, there's a couch. There's like a full-size couch and a little love seat kind of deal. On my couch, my full-size couch, on the left side of it, that's the spot that I sit every morning. And to the left of that arm of the couch is a table. And on that table, I leave my study Bible that I open to read. That study Bible is marked with the two spots that I'm reading out of currently and a pen in it so that I can mark it up and write all over it. What I do is I open that thing up and I read one chapter of the Bible, of a book of the Bible that I'm reading through at the time. Currently, I'm reading through the book of Isaiah, all right? So I read through a, book, a chapter of the book of Isaiah and then I flip to Psalms or Proverbs, whichever one I'm on, and I just keep cycling through reading a chapter of one of those each day. Psalms and Proverbs, Psalms and Proverbs. And I mark them up and I read them and I read all the study notes that are in my study Bible along with it and I mark them up and then I spend some time thinking about what does this say about God? What does this say about me? And what do I need to do differently about my life because of it? And then I put that down and I move on with my day. But it's all set up. It's gotta happen right there. It's gotta happen early before my kids get up. And that's my spot. I turn my lamp on, I drink my coffee while I'm doing it. It's a wonderful thing. It's my favorite part of every day besides going to sleep. It's probably be flipped, I guess, but it is what it is. All right. But this is, I have to have a plan. And when that plan gets turned upside down, guess what? It ain't a good day for the Ackley family. All right. I got to have that time, that space in my life. I would encourage you, what is your plan in doing this? You know, we work diligently for the things that matter in our lives. And I also believe firmly that as we work diligently in our Bible study and Bible reading, I believe it grows our love for the Bible. It stirs in us a greater love for it, a desire for more of it. The things you feed are the things that grow in your life. But I also would say along those lines, it's not just gonna come easy. You need to pray and ask God to give you a growing desire for his word and be diligent. Pray as if he's the one that's gotta do it all and work as one who desires to grow in him. Be diligent in your study. But he also says, be skillful, right? He says, rightly handling the word of the truth. The idea is, is that there's this skillful, skillful carpenter that's, that's whittling and working together in a very precise and intentional way with the word of God. Now, some of you, you hear preaching regularly or teaching regularly and you think, man, I can't understand the Bible that way. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, you won't know till you try. And the Lord is the one that does the work in you, growing you, giving you understanding. So give him a chance to do that. Lean in with, with growing skill about how to develop this love for the Bible. How do you do that? How do you develop skill? Well, use resources, right? I would encourage you to get a study Bible. 
If that means you don't buy coffee for a month, or if that means that, that you, uh, you, know, you say no to eating out for a couple weeks so that you can save up $30 and buy a study Bible, do it. It's worth it. There's great ones made by, that are published by Crossway, by B&H, by Zondervan. There's great resources out there. There's the Lifeway store in Murfreesboro is about to close and they're selling everything for way off, right? Go take advantage of that and resource yourself with something that will breathe life into you. Find something like that. There's online resources, a, a website that a lot of people use that I think is great. It's called Blue Letter Bible. If you go there, easy resources. Now there's way more than some of you would probably use, but there's resources to learn more about what the Bible is saying. Bible Gateway has some good resources about how to understand the Bible, even commentaries that are totally housed online that you don't have to buy. If you do wanna buy commentaries, do it, but be really careful, all right? And the reason is this, ask somebody who you know and trust that reads the Bible and understands the Bible or whatever the case is about those resources because I'd hate for you to pick up something that's gonna cause confusion in your life, okay? So, but there's resources available. We've got resources on our app to help you with this. If you go to resources page on our app, right there, there's five or six Bible reading plans that you can lean on to get started and have a plan of knowing where to go and what to read. The YouVersion Bible app, right, has a ton of reading plans. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Don't do what I do with Netflix, which is get on and look around for four hours and never pick anything. All right, pick one and stick to it and go. Start reading your Bible. Start studying your Bible. Lean into it, dig into it, and go after it. And as we do this, I believe the Lord cultivates a greater love and desire for his word. You know, what we don't wanna do is become poor students of the word of God. What that means is, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want any of us to leave here and start reading the Bible like a yearbook, right? Where you just flip to the page that you're on and that's the only page that's ever open. Everything else is covered with dust. Don't do that. Man, have a life verse, but read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. Don't, don't read it like an instruction manual where you kind of overview the, the pictures real quick and then go, all right, I got this, and then put it down and think it's no more use. Don't read it like a sci-fi novel series, right? Where it's like, oh, this is cool. No way that's real, doesn't apply to me, but it's cool. No, seep deeply into every word of it. You know, sometimes we think, man, let me, let me, let me pick a book. I'm doing this right now, okay? The book of Hosea has nothing to do with me. You know what? I would say it does, but also has a lot to do with God whom you need to know. It has a lot to do with the Lord. Read it. All 66 books, not all at one time. If you don't read it in a year, it's okay. I've never, listen, I've been in ministry for a lot of years. I've never read through the Bible in a year. I'm a big fan of people doing that. I think it's an awesome thing to do. I personally have never read through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. You don't have to do it all at one time. Take the long view and study through the Bible. It pays off. You know, at the end of the day, my hope would be is that you walk out of here understanding, yes, the Bible does lead to transformation. It does give me an understanding of what is true and it does grow my dependence on the Lord. And I know that I can pursue it diligently and I can use these tools. But at the end of the day, I wanna remind you what he says. Do your best to present yourself to God as a worker approved. Can I just tell you this as a warning? He's not saying, if you read your Bible more, God will love you more. He's saying, if you love God, read your Bible. 
He's saying out of what God has done by approving you as a sinner called a saint by the blood of Jesus, if you believe that, from that be a student of the word. Be a student of the word. This morning, I want to ask you a simple question. What's your plan? It's not a deep theological question. What is your plan? When are you going to read the Bible? Where? What are you going to read? And who is going to make sure that you're doing that? There's a lot of things you could do walking out of here, but my hope is, is that you'll lean into that very thing. Let me pray for us. Father, we're thankful that your word is good. It's always true. It's a living and active document, Father, and we can lean on it for all things in life. And this morning, God, I pray that you would remind us that not only is that true and real, but Father, you have called us to something great that only your word will show us. And so I pray, Father, that we would lean deeply into it. I pray this, this room this morning that there isn't just guilt and shame over Bible reading, but there is hope because Jesus is alive. Your spirit within us who have trusted in you is enough to move us to become faithful followers of you that are students of your word. And so God, would you do a work in us? Would you move us towards greater faithfulness? Whatever the next step is, if it's to start reading the Bible or to lean further into reading the Bible, God, would we take that seriously and do as you call? God, I pray you would do a work in us that only you could do. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Hey, I want you to stay seated this morning. The ushers are gonna pass our offering baskets. And as they do, here's what I wanna ask you to do. I want you to get something out to write with. Okay, you thought we were done, gotcha. Whether it's on paper or phone, whatever you wanna write on, that's fine. If you wanna prick your finger and write on your arm in blood, that's cool too, whatever, I don't care. Just something to write with, something to write on. And I'm gonna ask you four questions. And I want you to write down the question, I want you to write down the answer, okay? The first question is this, you've already heard them this morning. What are you gonna read? What are you going to read? What in the Bible are you going to read? Specifically in the Bible. If your devotions aren't pushing you to scripture, right? Find something in the Bible, something that pushes you to the Bible. What are you going to read? Second question, when are you gonna do it? When are you gonna read your Bible? When are you gonna lean in and study your Bible? When? Third question, where? Now for some of you think that's a crazy detail to worry about, but every detail of a plan is, is important. Where are you gonna do it? Where's that spot for you? Maybe it's in your bed, maybe it's beside your bed, maybe it's on a couch, maybe it's on the floor, maybe it's at your desk at work. Where are you gonna do it? And then the fourth question, who is going to make sure you're doing it? Who? Who's that person you're gonna share this plan with and tell to ask you at least once a week how that's going? Who? Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member. Who is going to ask you this? Now, here's what I wanna say this morning. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, 
I dare you to start reading your Bible. I dare you. If you're on the outskirts and you've got lots of questions, you're still trying to figure this whole thing out, I dare you to start reading your Bible because I believe that you will find the answers that you're looking for in God's word. I dare you to start reading your Bible. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not reading your Bible on behalf of the word of God, I would say the Lord commands you to start reading your Bible. But whatever it is, make a plan, go for it. I'm not saying test the Lord, but give it a go. And I believe the Lord will do something significant in us when we give ourselves to the study of his word. So if you haven't done it, write it down, all right? Write it down, be intentional about it, make a plan and go after it. And in just a moment, we're gonna sing together, but I wanna make sure you write it down, all right? So for the next few minutes, few seconds, take a minute, write it down, make sure it's written down. And then we're gonna sing and celebrate together what is true of God's word, that Jesus is alive, that he's reigning, that he is ruling, and that we give up our role in the authority, give it to him and let him do his thing, amen. So write down your plan and then let's sing together.